There's a taco conspiracy happening. There's a, a taco some sort conspiracy. Of... It's actually, I think, it's a new coined taco word, a taco spiracy <laughs> or a taco. And it's not, I know, and it's, 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 there's no, it's not funny. It's no joke. No. This is the second no, time. I, I never lose power in my neighborhood. And literally, right when Brad's face was coming on the screen, <laughs> you went out. Power went out. Yeah, yeah, and it was gone for the entire hour. We we were talking about rescheduling it, uh, but we had actually it took. I I scheduled Brad four months in advance, <laughs> so so. Um, and I was watching the house, like you know George Michael on Arrested Development, the Charlie Brown episode, <laughs> head down, arms hanging, man, just walking around aimlessly, like a like a poor. Her <laughs> guy that didn't get to be on with Brad and talk about Jesus. So, oh, so anyone, anyone listening, just had a conversation with Brad Jerzak, and uh, and and I'm trying not to glow on behalf of my friend who uh, who lost power. Yes, we talked about out of the embers. There it is. Actually, out of the we did talk about it, um, Brad and I. Um, Derek was there in spirit, um, though I could feel the sorrow. Um, and I missed you. I really did miss you. Tomorrow, so we'll be talking about grief, grief management. <laughs> tomorrow, yeah, that's right. Probably perfect timing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, um, I know, Brad, um, there's a story. Maybe we can include this, but there's a story that a guy wrote in one of the um, um, Google reviews of Brad's book out of the embers and it's a story about a guy that falls in a well and several people walk by don't help him but this author walks by and says hey and he yells out help me and the author jumps into the well with him and he goes what are you doing now we're both trapped and the author says no I know the way out I've been here before and he he equated that with hey this is how Brad has been for me and I, I would I would echo that Brad has yeah. been a friend in the well of deconstruction with me yeah. and yeah. reading his books has been a path to freedom and yeah. uh, understanding yeah. of, you know, getting language around what I'm dealing with. So yeah. I hope yeah. that does the same for our, our taco listeners. And that was a, a good deal of the conversation we had. And I shared that with him and I actually shared that on your behalf as well. Um, knowing a little bit of that, uh, I love that story, but um, just letting him know uh, the impact he's had on our lives uh, and for those that uh, listen to this podcast, how many folks were excited that we were having him on? Um, it was that conversation right there. He 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 was vulnerable uh, in his book uh, Out of the Embers, Very. and uh, sh shares a little bit of his story. We get into it not in the we don't get into the nitty gritty. We get into the cross. We get into uh, we use the we talk about his favorite scripture uh, where he talks about the good shepherd finding the the sheep. And he searches until he finds them. Um, that was right. the conversation. That was the centerpiece of the conversation that we had um, around deconstruction and the, and the book that you held up, Derek. So yeah. Well, and thanks to our Taco listeners on the Facebook page that added some questions: uh, Preston Hall, Maggie Whitaker, Jeff Adelman, and Carla Romero. Carla Romero actually had one of the funniest questions. She was like, "Hey." Maybe ask him if there's a flip book picture version of <laughs> Out of the Embers or a more Christ-like God, a more Christ-like way, because, um, you know, I need I need like a primary learner's model because Brad, can, and you Brad know, can go deep, man. Yeah, yeah. And we we uh, because because it was me and he knew uh, he had to he had to simplify it. Uh, it didn't take him long to figure that one out in our conversation. Um, <laughs> This was a flip book conversation. I didn't get to ask those questions partly because I was just doing my best to keep up. Um, but we did get into his um, why he's a part of the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, just so you know, uh, Brad dr drops the uh, F-bomb at one point in passionate uh, discussion. And then when I asked him afterwards, he thought about it hard and, and he said, yeah, keep it. Um, go ahead and keep it. And, and so... Uh, your ears just just be aware that um this is yes. a raw and is that real a, conversation is that a trigger warning jason trigger warning yeah for anyone yeah. who's 
<laughs> hey, I, you know, a well-timed F-bomb can really make the difference in, in making your point, but uh, mine usually just go, goes off in my head. <laughs> I, can't, I keep it up here, but it happens often. <laughs> he is fiery, um, and he's a deep well, and uh, when he's passionate about something, he shares it. So anyway. Yeah, we better we better get to it. I think, I think yep. we're talking too much because I didn't get to talk on the podcast, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's get to Brad <laughs> so people well, can listen to him. You were missed, my friend, and so I'm glad that we're doing this intro on the front end. I'm, I'm and I did uh, talk to him about setting up another uh, podcast with him and Eden together, yeah. uh, and he said yes to that. So, um, well, maybe a few months out, we'll get that back. And I'll, back I'll be traveling that. to some super fortified internet spot that never fails, loses power, it's never. gonna be military grade, and yeah, <laughs> in my house. Uh, yep. Hey. Uh, we love being on this journey with you guys and um thankful for you like sh like share uh yeah. review it if you if you if you haven't done that yet go to itunes or any of the places you listen and, and review it endorse it all that stuff we, we're grateful yeah. for this this journey with you guys yeah and uh yeah looking forward to more zoom calls and uh yep. connecting in that way um also maybe get out on amazon and rate and review jason's book that is out there um, and do the and, same with mine. Find, find a, a book, our books and rate and review them because um, it helps people find find good stuff when they connect. It does. Yep. And the Holy Spirit goes to work with that magnetic polarity that pulls all, all of us heretics together. <laughs> hey, did you see mine? I rated, I did, I, I, I've been I did, here. I saw yours. That was really, really nice, Jason. Thank you. Yeah. Metal yeah same i saw yours it does actually help and uh, it actually helps people um, trust uh, what they're picking up too so yep yeah yep hey love doing this with you man let's get to the uh, brad jerzak conversation that i had without you i am so sorry <laughs> hey bradley jerzak hey there it's good to have you on it's the good podcast. to be back yeah, it's been a minute, yeah. but it's so good to see your face again. We were uh, catching up a little bit, um, uh, reminiscing a little bit of the last time we talked, mentioned that we'd had your amazing wife on at last and uh, dove into some really incredible stuff. But hey, um, most of the folks with Rethinking God with Tacos know who you are. Um, you've had a huge impact, and I know Derek and I can speak to that in our lives and our rethinking, reimagining the goodness of God journey. Um, but if you could just briefly share a little bit about uh, who you are and maybe what you're doing right now, I know you're uh, you're you're kind of you got you're full. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been a long life, so I'll keep that part short. But you know, I grew up in a conservative Christian home, ended up. Uh, being trained for the uh, pastoring, did that for 20 years. Um, and then uh, after a big crash in 2008, which comes into the deconstruction story a bit, I yeah. ended up doing a PhD and uh, in, in theology. And by the time I graduated from there, I ended up uh, teaching at Westminster Theological Center in England. And then at St. Stephen's University in New Brunswick, Canada. And I ended up full-time in the latter. And then just since May, I've been the president of that. It's a grad studies program in theology, peace, and reconciliation. <laughs> and it is, it is made for people like you, actually, where, you know, if you have a job and you don't want to quit and you don't want to move, uh, but you kind of want to upgrade your degree so you can increase your contract <laughs> or... <laughs> Just update your theology because maybe what you learned 20 years ago is a bit uh, uh, old now. Um, we're the place to go. And so we do online courses and we do short intensives and we do a travel module to Northern Ireland and whatever. So anyone who's interested in that, I should pitch that. SSU.ca. And um, they, people can email me at bjersak at, .ca, at uh, SSU.ca. And uh, so that, that's really got me busy because I, I wanted to be a theologian and a teacher, and I still am. Uh, but our grad studies program needed someone to step in, and it became the university, so I became the president and so, or, or principal, as we would say in England, I suppose. But, yeah. 
which has you wearing a lot of hats. It has me wearing a lot of hats. And uh, I still work for CWR Magazine as well, ptm.org. And so I do I do design and writing for them as well, which uh, which is precious to me. It's a really very basic, like, what's the gospel without all the religious hoopla and accretions? And so that's a place where I do tons of blogging. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I was just checking with Derek. Are you there, Derek? Yeah. Let's do it anyway. Yeah. See if he figures it out. <laughs> hey, um, Derek uh, has had his power go out. So we're connecting and he's figuring it out. But, um, man, I well, let's, let's do this. Um, we're rethinking God with tacos. We'll get to the tacos part. But, Amen. Uh, we're <laughs> and it's one of our favorite parts. But... I'm not an academic. Derek definitely carries a little bit more of that. I'm a relational theologian. Uh, I got here through uh, understanding that Jesus is perfect theology, and that was enough for me to be able to, well, what does that mean? Uh, I found myself in the Gospels for two years, resetting my lens. Good. Jesus is, is, becomes the, the lens through which I'm perceiving all things. He reveals God as a father, so that fits my understanding. and. And, and as I'm resetting this, uh, I come along and I discover you who's, who've, who've written through that Christocentric lens. And you begin, begin to bring legal, you begin to make it legal. If that I makes totally sense. get that. Yes, that's what happened with me and this Archbishop Lazar. Like, you mean I'm allowed to think this? He's right. like, no, yeah. you're required to. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you say that. Maybe yeah. share that story and let's bounce. Let's, let's take off of there because that's been my journey. I, I experience God's love. I, I live in the mystery or maybe the tension of flawed thoughts I've had about him. And, and, and really, this podcast is about having a better thought about him today than the one I had yesterday. Very good. Um, and, and, so, and then suddenly I find myself, I, I, I'm, reading, I'm reading your works, I'm reading Baxter, I'm finding these guys who've, who put language around it um, and help me. Uh, make it legal, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but the folks that are listening to this podcast, they've kind of gone through this deconstruction. That's the that's the the word. I didn't like the word, um, but I didn't get to pick it. Right. I, it, you know, it was already there. I would look at 15 years ago and say, well, that's kind of what I was doing. But here we are with an audience who who haven't left Jesus, but they've certainly left a whole lot of flawed thoughts about him. But penal substitutionary atonement being probably chief among them. But you've written a book, man. Um, it's been out for a little bit now on this subject, Out of the Embers. Uh, why did you write that? What was what was going on? Because I know you were getting questions every day um, uh, from folks that were either uh, leaving their faith completely or uh, looking for a better God than the one yeah. they understood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of nails the... Um that, that sort of nails the motivation. And I guess there's two sides to that. One is there were people who were beginning to have an experience of God and exploring faith, but um, very nervous about following the Jesus way if it meant taking on the Christian label that was becoming uglier and uglier. So it would be, in a sense, there were hindrances them to, to them initiating or, or walking further down the faith road. And then there were others where they're like, um, they had grown up in Christian context and now it had become so toxic that they were on the way out. And so I was looking at this and saying, you know, we absolutely need some kind of deconstruction. If by that we mean look at your constructs of God, see where they're unhealthy, let them go or remove them because you want to, you want to get to know the, uh, you know, a, a, a more beautiful God, a more beautiful gospel, all of that. And, and um, I'll add this then that I was seeing two kinds of reactions to this. On the one side, I saw hand wringing pastors who were trying to getting really worried about these questions and that the questions are bad and we and people are leaving and we need to herd them back into the churches and, and control this, this journey. And I'm like, well, that's not gonna work, is it? Um, tens of millions are leaving and their angst is not slowing it down. It actually drives people out. And then on the other hand, 
I was really worried about like how popular deconstruction was coming as a as a sort of a brand in itself. And then right. you had all these deconstructionist authors and podcasters and, and influencers and memes and all of that that just seemed to be saying, yeah, burn it all down and w don't just walk away from bad religion, walk away from Jesus, walk away from God, walk away from everything. And, and, uh, and then as people were doing that, we were realizing they were often leaving pretty dysfunctional faith settings, but then ending up in just alienation and isolation and loneliness. And, and uh, so I'm like, okay, what does faith look like after deconstruction? It's, yeah. I'm kind of bored with that whole thing now. So let's let's say what's next, right? Great. You've burnt it down. Now you're in the embers and you're wondering what to do and where to go and what to believe. And you're really gun shy about this. Let's have a talk. And I'll tell you my story, which was pretty awful. And then look at who who would be trustworthy. Who are our yeah. guides to walk us out of this? And that's where... So that's some of the motivations behind this book. Um, not so much to tell people what they need to do and believe, but just to say, let's be companions in this. And what? So I'm not going to be a hand wringing pastor stopping right. your doubts, and I'm not going to be a cheerleading de deconstructionist waving pom poms. What I will be is an empathetic guide um, yeah. that we're walking together. And empathy is the way through this to be honest and, and kind with our stories and then and then see if there's any anchors out there. And I think there are some. Yeah, I am. Um, there's a phrase that um, Paul Young uh, said years ago that as soon as he said it, it resonated in me. And you you reminded me of it. He, he talks, you know, Paul's a storyteller. He's a deep thinker, theologian, obviously the author of The Shack and so many other amazing books, but he, he and I'm, I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller as well, so uh, he said this, he said, trust is my through line, mm. and it's the, the way in which he approaches everything, and when he said it, it, it burned in me, because I thought, that's how I'm wired, it's, and, and, um, and when I, when I was reading Out of the Embers, um, what I, what I felt was a vulnerability, uh, you talk about looking, uh, folks are looking for for places they can put their trust down. Uh, Leaving and finding Jesus is the book I I wrote. Um, that yep. came out a bit ago. I was writing for those that were looking for a better God than the one they've been raised in, and so I used the Emmaus Road um, as the guideline for for that book. Uh, this idea that there is no shadow of turning in the nature of God, you know, when you get that settled in your bones, that that is such a trustworthy, that's a through line, yeah. if you will, that will help you navigate, uh, leaving, you know, because he's going to join you on the road. My hope is what I was writing and what I felt in your book was, hey, um, if we could talk about the nature of a God that doesn't leave, it doesn't turn, then we can have a conversation about deconstructing in which you can leave all these flawed perspectives knowing that he never leaves you. And therefore, you, you actually can grow in trust, if that makes sense. He's a trustworthy God. Um, I felt like there was a vulnerability in the way you wrote. And uh, I've, uh, I felt that you're a trustworthy voice uh, for that reason, because there's a vulnerability, because you, you know a God who doesn't leave. Yeah, so I, I think a, a big part of that is, you know, deconstruction is not about, um, it shouldn't be, <laughs> it shouldn't be about torching, torching our faith or, or damaging our hearts or like demolition. I don't really like that approach to it. But if we could say um, that, that beyond our constructs there is something real with a capital r and i'm not asking anybody to trust in that apart from experiencing it so in that sense i'm not coming with a prescribed theology it's like here i'm going to propose this and i'm really asking um what has your experience of god been that is trustworthy could you develop what is your theology in terms of a reflection on your experience of God. And, right. and I find that um, people, 
people have had an experience, I can ask them and or if they say, I don't know, I've never really experienced God, I, I can say, well, can I ask God to remind you? And, and suddenly like, oh, yeah, there was that time when this or that, right? And uh, one profound experience I had recently was us, I was with a group of guys where we were talking about our higher power, right? Yeah. And um, And so this included like pagans, uh, a Wiccan, a agnostic, an fundamentalist Christian, an ex-Christian, huh. wow. some fallen pastors, you name it. How did you get in that group? What's uh, going cause, on? Because <clears throat> I needed to be there for my own recovery, <laughs> okay. right? And so, yeah. so I just, I just started participating for me. But what happened when we, we went around and I'm like, you know, some people, their higher power is, is Jesus, but that... And then others can't use that word or, or the word God is too much for them. And, 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 but I said, like, could we just go around the circle and tell us how, what you know, what you know by yeah. experience of our higher power. And I began to just hear amazing things such that we had, you know, the self-identified pagan said, well, I really don't know who or what God is or isn't. But I know this, we need to have a personal relationship with him. <laughs> wow. Like, wow. And then the next guy, he's like, he says, well, I'm a, I'm an ex-Christian heretic, but here's what I know. I don't know what God, who God is or isn't, but I know this, he's in me and he's in you and he's in wow. this relationship. Wow. And we went around the, circle and it was like agnostics saying whatever god is he's loving caring forgiving and and responsive <laughs> and i was hearing such a beautiful description it was the cleanest theology i've ever heard and it would be a perfect description of what jesus has revealed but he came there anonymously yeah yeah to to uh to reveal himself to these precious folks who are and and it's not just that they think this. It's an actual experience. So one guy said, look at, I couldn't stay clean and sober from my addictions for seven days. And he uh -huh. said, I'm still an agnostic. I'm barely out of atheism, but I can tell you this. I'm also a miracle and I haven't acted out in three years. Wow. I'm like, so what I was seeing there is then that this loving, caring, beautiful response of God makes him himself, herself, itself, no, whatever, right? Um, through through the transformation of real lives who are discovering freedom from what they knew they couldn't recover from. Well, that's that's easy then, right? It's more like bored, disgruntled Christians who think they need to be on the internet policing other people's thoughts and lives. Right. Now, that, that's probably impossible. They, I don't know that they're going to enter the kingdom of God, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> Um, but the pair, the, you know, the, the prostitutes and tax collectors do tend to get in ahead of us, according to Jesus. So <laughs> the, uh, this is, this is what, um, I love about, about this good news that I'm awakening to, um, is, and, and I know this is a, a, a scripture that, uh, is significant to you, but it's about the good shepherd and how he goes and he finds finds the sheep and, and then he i think the it's and he searches i think until he finds them right until he finds them yeah and even fundamentalist like me it took a long long longer and it took some trauma and it took you know i uh, but even me right so yeah. i i think that also then gives me hope that i can walk with people who are who've known the kind of moralistic stuckness i was in and way too certain about everything right and it's yeah. like that has a shelf life, and when it begins to unravel, there's good news. Then, then we're, our vulnerability makes us yeah. vulnerable to goodness. Yeah. Well, and and um, the more convinced I am that he searches until he finds them, yeah, uh, the more liberty I have to be in any room with anyone, convinced that the Emmaus Road stranger is there, that he's speaking in the language of our understanding very good and that uh you know that we're away you know that just what you've shared that uh man we know what love is we we know it intrinsically here when we experience it this unconditional nature of love this 
other giving self other you know self giving other centered love uh, it's that's the through line for me that's the place of intimacy and trust mm. it's the thing i've been chasing my whole life it's the thing that uh, that empowers uh, uh, me to question i'm i'm more right brain i'm more of a um an artist so everything was always experiential for me um and always in the context of this relational theology i, I don't even, you know this practical theology that if it doesn't work in the context of the relationship i have with my wife and my kids then i really don't care about it like like if yeah. if, if it isn't transformative there then what are you preaching what are you telling me from the pulpit yeah you know? now uh, i'll throw a curveball in here at this point yes, too, sir. Do it. and that is this isn't pushback <laughs> this is just no. an experience that i had and that was part of my unraveling was not just due to bad theology rooted in indoctrination of a harsh and punitive and retributive God. That was part of it for sure, right? Sure. But I also, I passed through my hell year, um, having already kind of settled on what I thought was a, a beautiful, nonviolent theology of God, but but then I crashed into life in some ways from which I inferred new bad constructs. In other words, as I, as I was, as I was experiencing trauma, as friends of mine were dying, as I was crying out to God yeah. and not getting the answers I wanted, um, I went from the punitive, retributive, angry, judgmental God to one who's like, he's just not there for me. And this was, I would say, a practical experience that I was having, out wow. of which I built an image of God who is silent, distant, and uh, the, the deadbeat dad. And like, yeah. if there's a gentle shepherd out there searching for me, um, hello, here I am. And, and, and sort yeah. of that, that, that feeling of being abandoned. Um, I was able to come through that with a spiritual director, but I, I only mention that to say that even people who've never darkened the door of a church may construct a God out of their own trauma that's actually quite toxic as well. Yeah. And there we're moving then not just from a, a, a one uh, like a theology of God, but we're moving from an experience of God that needs healing as well. And, and that's available. But yeah, it's interesting that I can find people who sound like Calvinists who have never been Christians even, but yeah. they huh. picked it up from a bad life experience. Wow. I, um, I, it's, it's, um, you're reminding me of my journey. I, I had uh, uh, basically found myself those two years um, resetting my lens. It was after I'd actually had, and I, I grew up in the charismatic church, so mm -hmm. experiences with God and, and, you know, the miraculous and all of those things were a part of the normal, uh, day in and day out of, of what faith meant to me and being a musician and a worship leader. And, and that, and that's probably helped as well. But so I constantly would have these experiences with love. That's how I would describe them even then. But I had a, a moment uh, after two years where God was silent, actually said, hey, I'm going into hiding. I'm removing all your friends was kind of how he spoke to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, and it really was that. I, I knew he didn't leave or forsake me, but it sure felt like it. it sure seemed yeah. like it. And in the midst of that season, we lost our company and went, you know, 14 months without paying our mortgage. It was, it was a tough season. Um, on the and other felt, side. Felt absence, hey? Felt oh, my goodness. I, I, the way yeah. I describe it uh, was it was like God was in the next room speaking through a thick wall in Cantonese in an unfamiliar uh, tone. Like I, mm. it, it, wasn't, it was like he wasn't there. It was like mm -hmm. God, uh, especially with what I had experienced. You know, when I, when I tell the story now, I, I want to let people know that I, he never leaves or forsakes us. And always he's inviting you. For me, he was inviting me into a, a fresh perspective almost had to remove my preconceived understandings so I could learn a new language. It was mm -hmm. almost, that was in hindsight, though, I can tell you that. I couldn't have told you that at the time. Yeah. Next but, level but, trust too, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and when, when he showed up, because of how we've navigated in relationship, he showed up like a flood, all of a sudden, like a tap turned on. 
And so I can take you to where I was out for a run. And, and people heard this story. I, I, uh, he asked me uh, uh, if he was a good father. And uh, if that was an easy thing to answer. I had heard a statement made where a relationship where the son is always desperate for the father's dysfunctional. So he asked me, Are you a, am I a good father? And I said, yes. And then he said, well, then if there's dysfunction in our relationship, it's not on my end. And for me, that moment was a shift where I, I actually said a prayer where I'll no longer interact with you based on my understanding. I'm going to interact with you based on love as Jesus revealed it. Hmm. I didn't know what I was praying, but it was the most pivotal prayer in my life. Yeah. Um, for the next two years, I only read the Gospels, mm-hmm. and I reset my lens. I couldn't go anywhere else because I'd had a flawed understanding of of, of the inerrant, you know, the, the Scripture, how you read it. I, yeah. I had a very, very immature understanding of how to read Scripture. And so every time I would go into the Old Testament and it said, God said, I would think, well, God must be like that if he said that mm-hmm. uh, because of how I'd been trained to read it. And so I couldn't go there. I just had to stay with Jesus until finally I, I, I began to reset my lens. And then God introduced people like you who began to show me the early church fathers and and the fact that uh, this this relational connection I was having with him was being fleshed out. and. Uh, um, I'm sharing all that to say, but then there was then there was the season where I knew uh, I would only pray. I had a phrase in our house: "I don't know, but God is good. He looks like mm. Jesus." That served me really well. It served me theologically. It served me when I've had disconnect in relationship. It's, I don't know, but He's good. He looks like He's in Christ, re- reconciling all things to Himself. Like, yep. so I'll just put my my. I'd rather put my faith in that than uh, than this. I don't, you know, I don't know part. I'd rather have a, and that served me well. But then I, I, I had, to, we went through loss. We went through, um, um, we took some flack, ended up getting kicked out of a place. And, uh, and then you have to go back, don't you? And, and you got to wonder where he is. And, and it's a strange thing to know uh, to the very core of you that he's trustworthy and still not be able to feel like you can trust him. And um, it's only been in the last, I, I would tell people in a close relationship, I, not anybody that I didn't trust, but I'd say I, my experience is, in, is, in, uh, is not in, my experience of God is, uh, is not the same as what I believe about him. And I don't know how to bridge the gap. I'm convinced he's good as far as what I believe about him, but how do I bridge that gap? Um, and I, and I, I actually had to wrestle with trust in ways that that you would think. How how do you have to wrestle with trust after you've seen so many things? Uh, that makes sense. Is that what you're describing? Yeah, and 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 actually, it kind of makes it worse, right? When you've seen so many things and then you don't. Like at least if you'd never seen anything, you could say, "Well, God is God. Just never does that." And you're like, actually, God does do that. So how do I count for this now? Right. And I really, I appreciate your language for it. Uh, it's a place where I get to in Embers with, I, you'll see there how deeply devoted I am to uh, the way Simone Weil has addressed this very thing. And she called, it's about that distance. It's about that gap. And she says, I'm ceaselessly torn in my heart and in my mind uh, as I try to hold together the notion that God is good and the affliction of humanity. Yeah. And then she says, uh, there is an infinite distance between the good and affliction. Yeah. It, it, a real contradiction. But <laughs> the cross spans the distance. That's it. And it spans the distance because as I behold the one hanging there, I see perfect goodness easily. I'm like, in the way that he dies as forgiving, self-offering love. And I also see the extremes of human affliction in an innocent man being tortured to death. And that he holds that in him, but also that my affliction nails me to his heart in that moment. I mean, so she talks like this and it saved my life actually at that point. But then it's like, so instead of rationalizing the suffering and loss that we experience, we then recognize that, that, uh, Christ has united that with the infinite love of God. And in that union, from his wounds, healing love flows into the world. 
and from your wounds, healing love flows into the world. So, of course, that's an explanation, but the explanation doesn't heal you. It's, it's ex the experience of beholding that healed me and rescued me. Man, uh, Derek, um, I love doing this with you. Love uh, what God is doing uh, in and through our lives, the connection, the reconnection over these last years, uh, what uh, the, the favor in life on, on Rethinking God with Tacos, whether it's the Facebook group uh, or the Zoom calls and the, the ones we have in the future, just uh, life-giving and a, a fulfillment of the vision that I had nine years ago when we stepped away from pastoring full-time to start a family story ministries a family story ministries was meant to create content catalytic for an encounter with the love of god i mean it was that simple and and uh and it was very empowering for me to then lean into writing lean into obviously uh, speaking and teaching uh and and led to the start of this podcast almost five years ago a family story is a nonprofit, and it's um it's been uh, the home for for me for nine years as we've leaned in and so and i remember you saying uh coming out of covid that hey guys we started a podcast and you you and sarah were one of our earliest guests yeah 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 and uh, and it definitely is content that is catalytic for an encounter with the love of god uh, we've yeah. experienced that by joining forces together yeah uh, but i want i want all of our listeners to know that this is a listener funded podcast and uh rethinking god with tacos has kind of taken on a life of its own in the umbrella of a family story but a family story is your livelihood jason um, <laughs> i i get a salary from the church that i pastor and uh I, I donate my time and volunteer my time to do this but i want everybody to know that uh you can give to make rethinking god with tacos available to as many people as we can possibly make it available to if it, if this podcast has in any way uh, blessed you helped shape your rethinking journey and been a safe place to experience community on the facebook page then i, I invite you to uh to give not out of compulsion or arm twisting no. but out of uh, out of joy and yeah. generosity uh, give into a family story and you can do it at a familystory.org there's a giving function on there and, and we invite you into partnership with us it's a way that we can partner together to establish the kingdom of god through this podcast uh, and i love doing it with you jason i really do yeah. yeah same here man thank you so grateful uh for those who have given and who, who bless us and, and have prayed for us and partnered with us over the years so love it love doing this with you and uh we'll uh we'll see you all soon You know, Brad, and this is that you say that saved you. That's that's what happened. Mm. I I was I wrote a book called Prone to Love out of that season, mm. um, and I was at the time I was really wrestling with um, uh, what is he like? Yeah. Um, as Jesus revealed him, that's what I was diving into, and and then it, it, you know I I become what I behold. So. You know, I, I'm not prone to wander. I'm prone to love. I play off those those um, uh, the, the come thou fount uh, is what I'm really uh, yeah. you know. Um, but but what um, what saved me? I was trying to figure out what Jesus is like, and I, I was str struggling over the cross because I'd only ever been taught the Father looked away. Right. And uh, and and so I, I it was the it was the big question. I was like, man, he, everything else seems to be, but then there's this moment of abandonment, and I only had these vestiges of uh, penal substitutionary atonement and and uh, what saved my life was the day that i i remembered in bible college they did tell me that he had quoted psalm 22 but they didn't explain it past that so so i had it in my back pocket but forgot and all of a sudden i, I was praying one day and and i felt the holy spirit say hey psalm 22 and i went oh that's right and man, when I went and read it and saw that in my day of affliction, he did not turn his face from me. I can't, yeah. it, was, it saved my life. Everything shifted. I was just like, this is the most, he'd never abandoned. It was like, it was like the gospel. I first heard it for the first time. And I was what, almost 35. And, 
and suddenly everything made I was this it was glorious it was beautiful yeah in yeah. his in his experience of felt absence he trusted that the father did not abandon him in fact, he says that leading up to the cross he tell, he tells his disciples you know you're going to think i'm alone but i'm not alone my father is yes. with me right yes yeah. and uh, but he has to feel he has to enter the the depths of the human condition for everyone who has ever despaired and had that felt absence and 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 he unites himself even with that aspect of the human condition but it's with the through line of trust. Yeah, yeah. He actually well, transforms it for everybody. Well, and what if faith then is simply that right there, that he mm. doesn't leave me, that in my day of affliction, he hasn't turned his face. What if that's what, for me, it was even faith because I had been trying, you know, that opened the door for me realizing Jesus got the well done before he did all the stuff, you yeah. know, and I had been living my whole life trying to get a well pleased and then realized he got it on the front end of his ministry of his public ministry yep, yep. he did everything from that place and then suddenly faith is just believing he hasn't left me he hasn't forsaken me that in my day of trouble he's right here yeah oh my goodness that's the good news yeah a big part of that for me I, when i saw my you know my spiritual director um at the time steve imbach wonderful guy and i said to him look at um at the time we had planted this church where we had all we had all these folks with disabilities in full-time care, a third of the church. And I said, um, that's caregiving. You know, these, these folks have people doing their adult diapers day after day after yeah. day. They spoon feed many of them. They communicate for the ones who cannot communicate and all of that. That's real caregiving. But if you say God cares... As if, as if he's on a throne in the sky somewhere behind Pluto with a caring yeah. feeling in his heart. It's like, that does me no good at all. No. And so normally Steve would just ask me more questions, but he knew I was in peril that day. <laughs> so when I said, what does God's caregiving look like? He began to rattle some real ways. Wow. Um, and a lot of it was entirely natural, what seemed like natural ways. So externally, like... yeah. God has embodied his care in the people who love you and are walking with you. And that's not different than God. It's not an application of God. That's yeah. the actual caregiving of God, of God um, um, incarnate. And then even on the inside, it's like, has he never given you a moment of clarity before you blew up your life? Has he, does he ever help you make the right choice in a hard time. It's like, that's, that's the wisdom that comes from heaven that he's promised that that has to count. And he probably listed half a dozen or more things where I'm like, if all of those things count, then God isn't just a, you know, having a caring feeling. He's actively caregiving in our lives, even when, um, you know, there's bankruptcy or even yeah. when, you're yeah. being kicked out of somewhere, even yeah. when, and if we will watch for it, it's really precious. And you're like, okay, in real life, he didn't abandon me, even if it, what I thought felt like it. When I started seeing that, it stopped feeling like it a little bit too, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. No, that's, um, I, in hindsight, those two years where he didn't, he was, he seemed distant. Now I can go back and go, oh, I had to make a decision around the company and whether we were going to sell it or keep it and uh, that was 2008 9 it was a pretty stressful season um and i remember out for a run i had a, a an image of something he'd shared with god had given me years earlier and i just said well i feel like that's what that's and in hindsight i go oh yeah that was the yes of god in that moment mm -hmm. and, um I, all, all kinds of things i can point to even though i uh, at the time would have said he's left me. It doesn't seem like he's here. Um, yeah, you had the companionship of some real people as well, right? So I some did. of it's internal, some of it's yeah. external, some of it's like direct revelation. Some of it is just hands-on love from those who didn't leave you. Let me ask you this, uh, and I got you all to myself. I'll just reiterate, Derek uh, had the power go out literally, literally as we got started. And um, 
and I know he's bummed, and, and I know this would have maybe gone different directions. But I got you all to myself, man. So There we go. <laughs> so, you know, you're talking to a right-brained artist, uh, relational guy, thinks in that context. But uh, because of that, um, I, I'm curious. I, I, you're wired, in, and certainly in some academic ways. Um, and I imagine that's the road you, you, you get to. But in this Western enlightened world, I've had to figure out how to navigate you guys. Um, uh, and, uh, and I, I don't know that I've always done it well, but, um, but I am intrigued by your journey into the Eastern Orthodox church, mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like, um, those are my brothers and sisters in some ways that I, I often feel like an orphan, uh, over here, you know, uh, in, in, you know, knowledge tends to be how we define things, and certainty certainly is the uh, the wrestling match for many a Western mindset. Um, and I know that we've had some folks curious about your journey uh, into that uh, into the, that church. Could you share a little bit of that journey? Sure. Yeah, and so just one thing up front is I'll say um, I can present as left-brained academic and analytical. <laughs> Because those are coping mechanisms to deal with my right-brained heart. Um, when you That's have a really sensitive, vulnerable heart and it gets pounded a bit, yeah, um, you can you you begin to analyze it. I also am very skeptical of my analysis. <laughs> so anyway, the, just to say that up front is, is That's so I I. Um, so, <clears throat> journey to orthodoxy. Let's let's distill it a bit. Um, yeah. First of all, uh, I believe that God gave me a revelation that He wasn't punishing His Son on the cross. That yeah. that's not what was happening. That that just was a flash in my mind that needed investigation, because from my training and my background that wasn't an atonement theory. That was the gospel, and I, what I was hearing was from that point of view, a heresy. So you don't just say, well, I had a thought, now I'm going to change everything. So I began to investigate this, and it it started with revisiting the scriptures like Psalm 22, or like Isaiah 53. You're going to think God did this, but he didn't. I mean, that's (laughs) really what Isaiah 53 is. He he considered him stricken by God, but it was your sins that he was bearing. Um things like that and then i thought well i better check this i'm seeing all these new scriptures in a new way i better check with different theologians and so on and so i was checking in with everyone from richard Rohr to nt wright to the anabaptist um teachers miroslav wolf and and people that i was reading were kind enough to respond to my emails where i'm trying to verify and confirm am i seeing this right or have i gone off the deep end consistently they were saying no this is the right path but then i ended up also meeting archbishop lazar he's a monk elderly monk who's a abbot of a local monastery and i i went to do some magazine work with him and we hadn't met before but i started telling him about my journey and how i'm like i'm still really i'm starting to really not believe that god was god saved us by punishing his son instead of us and he goes and he said, wait, wait, you thought that? I see your problem. Um, you worship Molech. <laughs> and he just called it that. And I'm like, wow. and instead of being offended, I felt this huge weight come off my shoulders. He had made it legal to pursue yep. the, the, the path that I had been taking, first of all, intuitively, then biblically. And now he's saying, no, this is the tradition. In fact, um, what you were describing is a... Is a 16th century sect you know <laughs> like right. like oh right. and he began to just teach me from the, the the fathers so that that was the beginning where it was like i began to see that god is not does not satisfy his wrath through violent punishment and death dealing but that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not counting our sins against us yeah. that's forgiveness and that began <clears throat> So so that began 10 years of just exploring the dominoes that fall from that. If God doesn't need that, then you don't need penal substitution. You don't need eternal conscious torment. You don't need to read the Old Testament as God, as, as um, God being a genocidal maniac. And, 
And ultimately, you just come to the conclusion from the early church, there is no retribution in the nature of God, period. He's love plus nothing. He is only holy, righteous, and just in the sense that he's holy love, righteous love, just love, never yes. against all yes. of that. And then when I when, when, when I felt was having my unraveling, I'm like, I've had such damage to my nervous system. I, I need more than the theology. I need the beauty hmm. and mystery yeah. of, of that liturgical life. And it's not for everyone, but yeah. some reasons it worked for me. One is in one, in, in a two hour service, you hear, hear the word uh, mercy or merciful 154 times. <laughs> more than once a minute over and over and over oh. and it's not the mercy of withholding punishment it is the mercy of every manifestation of the goodness of god in your life is a mercy abundant crops lovely weather health for your kids um good decision making uh uh protection oh. you know and and it just goes on and on you're like oh all mercy is all the ways that god is being good to you and wow. that's his. So when we say God is love, then to say God is merciful is our experience of that love in an infinite amount of ways. Second, I grew up in a Baptist church that practiced sensory deprivation in the services. Oak benches couldn't look out the windows. There, the windows were smoked, so you couldn't see the trees outside. But there was nothing. No, nothing like. A, uh, uh, stained glass picture or anything yeah. nothing I, I remember just wishing a fly would land on my hand so something <laughs> and now I go into the orthodox church and, and the benches are all off to the side and you've got kids running around and you've got candles and you've got smells and you've got bells and you've got pageantry and it's the whole thing the liturgical service it's a prayer service where the entire thing is the body of Christ praying together Wow. invoking the mercies of God into our lives, into the world. But also, it's a passion play. So you see all this symbolism and the, the priest comes out as Adam and locked out of paradise. And then the gates are open and the priest comes out as Christ, the risen king. And then the priest goes around with, with uh, carrying the chalice and the priest is the donkey in the triumphal entry. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's, you know, all so, so... Um, it was, but there's an order to it, so you don't get overstimulated either. In the sense of, oh no, how many will come forward? Will God show up? All of right. those revivalist things that were so awful. And <laughs> so anyway, um, so the theology of a nonviolent God who loves us, and then the liturgy that brought some was a bit of therapy for my damaged nervous system. Is kind of came. And there's stuff I struggle with. I, I'm not entirely sure I want to recommend it for some reasons. Sure. One is, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a bad Orthodox person. So bad meaning like, I don't believe in an all-male priesthood. I don't believe right. in closed communion. And I certainly right. don't believe that the Patriarch of Moscow represents Jesus Christ when he's invading Ukraine. He's the fucking Antichrist. <laughs> and that's the head of my church. So, right. <laughs> sorry if you have to beep that, but um, my passion about this is like, I, I trust the ancient hymns. Yeah. I trust the beauty that's revealed of, of Christ in the services. And I trust my spiritual father, Archbishop Lazar, in our local community. As for all the hierarchy stuff and all of that, it's like, uh, you, you're not going to that's very problematic yeah. <laughs> so one thing that stands out to me um and i know this to be true about you that i think you even have the phrase you know you pack your suitcase or you pack your you take what what was good from the last place and, and move into the next place you know that scripture verse uh he's and he searches until he finds them i know we have a lot of folks who are listening who you know, whether the deconstruction word uh, is embraced or not, they're certainly finding themselves not fitting in their local church. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for many, many years, um, because of our thoughts on hell, uh, we ended up churchless, my wife and I. Mm -hmm. And and I'm curious if, like, some of, some of those... I'm telling you right now, if you want to see an angry Christian, tell him God doesn't punish. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I know. <laughs> you know if you want to get stabbed, uh, that, that'll do it, which is a confusing thought for sure. But boy, it's ingrained. And so there's a whole lot of folks right now who are, who are looking for connection, who are looking for a place. And, and so I find it fascinating that, that you've got a home church where you can easily go, yeah, we got some problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's, but it's almost about the, the people on the ground where you're at right now as much as anything else. Very much so. So think about it this way. We, because <laughs> if you just start leaving every place where you have a disagreement, you will be alone. Yeah. I mean, totally alone. Yeah. And um, you, you won't even be able to hold a home group together. But that's based in a flawed premise that the church is to be a club of like-minded people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, we're a family of very unlike-minded people in the same predicament with the same yeah. mercy. So I yeah. go to the monastery and suddenly I see this kid and he's, he, he's wearing, he's probably wearing a Russia shirt, meaning he's pro-Putin. So I hear and we're, but guess what? Um, we're going to both go up for the Eucharist and say, yes, Lord have mercy, right? And I'm like, he and I share a human condition for which Christ has come, and our unity is not in based in our politics. Our unity is not based on seeing the world the same way, or even thinking we've come to the right exclusive club. Um, so, yeah. I I I even love to see that where I go to another church, and let's say I remember sitting there in an Anglican church one day, and. I saw a guy going up for communion and I knew this guy hadn't been in church in a year. And I knew all the great stuff I thought I was doing in the kingdom. <laughs> I'm very cynical about that now. Um, and I realized we're having the same cup and our standing, we're on e even ground. There, the, what qualifies us to share together is our recognition that we need mercy and there it is yeah. and uh, and that's about it you know so i can kind of now rejoice in difference i i can hold difference with respect i can i can i can have debates but it's just yeah. like the 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 um preciousness of people and wow. also um a deeper understanding that i don't know and they, I haven't arrived, yeah. and that there's likely nobody in that room who's had to be forgiven as much as me. Man, that's that's a beautiful place to be, and and uh, very much uh, reiterates that he's not in the sin counting game. No, lucky and for me, oh. <laughs> isn't that yeah, for me? And the and the liberty for me to be in the room with someone else because if he's not in the game then neither am I like yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. that I I can't participate in that and it and it suddenly allows for me to be in a room uh, where where yes uh, I'm 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 in the room and I don't have the right to be able to put that on anyone else in the room it, it, I don't know if that makes sense um, well it's just really hard because unlike you I not. You're prone to love. I'm prone to violence, you know, so I believe in a nonviolent. I really I I really believe in the Sermon on the Mount as an act of repentance. It's yeah. not my temperament. Yeah. And so even like you can hear it when I get I, I'm very angry at the patriarch of Moscow. Right. And and yet, OK, but if he doesn't count, no, then neither do I. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's awesome. No, but but I also know that. Uh, that at the end of the day, I already heard you say it, that all things are discovered in love. So if you want to understand justice, you you have to understand cruciform. You have to understand love as Jesus revealed it, this greater love. It's the only way. I mean, I've, I've tried the other ways. They just <laughs> descend into hell or escalate into... I mean... Uh, I think you're prone to love, Bradley. I think you're prone to love. <laughs> well, I despaired of the alternatives sometimes. <laughs> it's the only way to life. So it's the, it's how my, here's the thing. This is what God, my father told me. He said, hey, this is how I see you. So you can agree with me or you can keep living insecure. Mm. That was how we had the conversation. And mm. so that doesn't mean that I'm walking it out day in and day out. But, but um, it's where I repent. Uh, it's 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 where I come back into alignment with with the finished work of, of, of the cross and at least my understanding of it as Jesus. That, that was a good definition of repent, by the way. 
right? Because yes. I, I grew up thinking repent is like self-loathing and shame. And you've just said repenting is coming into alignment with the, the cruciform way or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. That'll yeah. work. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's that suddenly repenting is my favorite thing to do. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's the good news. He came to show us a better way to think, a better way to imagine. It, it's... Uh, and and not just with uh, who he is, but then then how he sees who I am, how he sees me, and everyone on my block, and everyone around me. Yeah, how he <laughs> yeah. sees my wife, and suddenly, Father, show me how you see her. I repent. I want to see her how you see her. Hmm. Oh man, that's the better that's the better way. And and there's there's a intimacy and trust. And see, for me, you can't have intimacy where there isn't trust. And, yeah. and so um, it, that's why it's for me the. Discovering God in Christ uh, continues to put to pull flaws off my lens, so I can have access to trust. If that yeah. makes sense. So reorientation then really is probably a better word than deconstruction, but they're still yes. trying to get at the same thing, right? It's just yes. yeah, that's Richard Rohr, right? It's, it's just yeah, and it's just not arson and spiritual arson. Yeah. Then yeah. it's about turning towards this the light of love. And, well, otherwise you got rubble, and I think you address that in the book. It's if you tear everything down, then you just got a mess, and now you now it's worse. You know, at least you had shelter before. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> now, now you're stuck with the elements. Anyway, um, uh, brother, uh, I I so appreciate uh, this time, and and uh, I'm. I, I really am uh, feeling for Derek because I know he was really looking forward to this conversation as well. But um, but I'm also, you know, feeling pretty special that I got the whole hour. <laughs> you are special. Yeah. Poor dear. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I, I don't want to keep you forever here. It's Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, this, there's so many folks that this podcast has been a fun journey for me. I, I It's just been my yes all along the way. Um, it was an opportunity. I felt, felt completely alone. We launched it as we were being pushed out of a church. And um, and launched it feeling completely alone. And then immediately uh, we had you on and we had uh, Paul and Baxter. And then from there just realized that there's so many different aspects of the church, uh, uh, so many different folks awakening to this non-punishing, reconciling love of God. And, and um, so, so many folks uh, on, have been listening to this podcast, excited you're on it. I know you've impacted their lives. Um, greatly. I'm going to ask a question um, from from Jeff Alderman, who asks, he said, we've already answered the orthodox question, but he wants to understand. He, refused to, he re, re, refers to your theology as a more his, uh, a taco view on theology. And I, I thought, that's great. He, he saw you as a fellow taco. You had a taco view. Here's our, here's our belief that every culture has a taco. Every there's we, there's there's everybody's included in this in this love of tacos. There's no wrong taco. So with that understood, give us your taco story, man. <laughs> oh well, so I will say that uh, in Canada, um, the tacos have been notoriously bad at times. And yeah. <laughs> weirdly, I only live two miles from Washington State. I can cross the border to El Napel and get like high end like street tacos yeah. right yeah. authentic mexican but i could be a little bit nationalistic in this way i live on the west coast of canada uh near near you know really great fishing waters so oh. suddenly now that we have discovered uh fish tacos to die for oh Come my on. goodness so if you ever get to vancouver find somewhere that serves uh uh, fish tacos fresh from the ocean and, and and you can't go wrong and fish and chips if you're going to be there we were out just before covid hit we went to whistler blackcomb and uh and then spent uh i i, I uh, spent all of my high school years i'm canadian too on vancouver island hmm. so um that's kind of a lot of family there in, up in british in interior british columbia i uh, love that area but yeah you got to have uh, fish and chips uh but fish tacos that's pretty good uh, yep, uh, and uh, just so you know, um, Eden, when we had her on, she talked about your back porch, and all kinds of amazing conversations you had there. And I invited myself 
uh, to your back porch. And good, she good. said, she said, yeah. So I just wanted to get it on record that next time I come out, do some Whistler that maybe, you know, maybe uh, we can connect on the back porch over tacos. Yeah. If you can time it that, that, uh, she's willing to make you supper, it's even a whole nother thing. She's got a barbecue out there and she does, she smokes brisket and all of that. That might oh, be come on. brisket tosco, taco. That might be good. Come on. That is awesome. <laughs> um, Brad, uh, just share where folks can find you and, um, We'll let you yeah, know. so I'm at bradjersak.com, all one word, B-R-A-D-J-E-R-S-A-K.com. And again, I'd welcome them to poke around the ssu.ca website in case you want to do some some uh, courses with me on whether it's theology, philosophy, or, or um, biblical study stuff. I'm doing one on interpreting scripture right now, uh, the Emmaus wow. way. So, yes. That should resonate with you. And, uh, it very much resonates, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I should sign up for it, you know. I, you know, I just have this Bible degree here, you know. Maybe I should I think up. you'd just really enjoy it and because we have these little classrooms that become think tanks, and your voice yeah. would be most welcome. Oh, man. All right, well, you've got me thinking. <laughs> um, grateful for you. Grateful for this time. Uh, thank you for being a forerunner and probably taking some hits and um, being faithful on the journey. And your voice is, uh, well, well, we're very thankful for it, my friend. And, Thanks, uh, Jason. Honored to have you on. So, appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, guys. So glad you joined us on Rethinking God with Tacos. You can find me, Jason Clark, online at afamilystory.org where I encourage you to sign up on our mailing list. We send out an email twice a month letting you know about new podcasts, articles, and new books or products that we have coming out. Plus, occasionally I'll keep you up on my schedule where I'm traveling. My Twitter handle is at JasonClarkIs. I'm on Instagram under the same handle, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Yeah, and my name is Derek Turner. Jason and I love that you're listening to us. Thank you for all your feedback. Please write in, let us know what's going on in your life. But uh, we are pursuing a mission to help people rethink God. And we thank you for being a part of it. Uh, you can find me at Pastor Derek T on all the socials. And then, of course, I pastor a church here in Charlotte, North Carolina called River Church, rivercharlotte.com. Come and join us. We'd love to have you. Hey, all of these podcasts are available on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google. Yeah. Hey, make sure and like, share, and throw a review out there. Let people know. We love good reviews on the podcast. It helps people find us. That's right. So if this isn't a podcast that you enjoy, <laughs> then please promote it, share it, give it a good five-star rating. I like that. That's a good idea. Hey, love doing this journey with you praying grace and wonder over you today.